Welcome to the Nourishing Amy podcast. I'm Amy Rankin. I am an emotional intelligence and life coach, a speaker, a creator, and a wellness chaser. I have created this podcast for you to learn habits, mindset changes, and get really actionable takeaways to find out who you are, what lights you up, how you can love yourself again, and how to live your best life. Give yourself the space to welcome in more self-care and confidence, reduce feelings like overwhelm and stress, and let's find your sparkle again. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Nourishing Amy podcast. I'm going to be talking to you today about how to stop worrying about what other people think and how to stop worrying about what other people think of you more specifically. It's a really, really common topic. Like it's a topic that comes up so often with all of my clients. It's definitely something that I also know that I experience personally. So this is also another one of the workshops that I ran with BU uh, Happiness College. So if you um, listened to the last podcast episode on procrastination and how to stop procrastinating, you would know that I run these workshops once a month. And they're with all of our one-on-one coaching clients. So they also get a group coaching session as well. These have been my two absolute favorite workshops to run in the last few months. And I just feel like the information that I found on these when I was researching and studying these topics was just too good for me not to share it with you. And I know that I had so many aha moments for both of these topics, for procrastination from last week, but also about this one, because I think that especially with things like social media um, and, you know, comparison really being so prevalent and social media being such a big part of our lives these days. I think that that can also sometimes come hand in hand with this idea of like worrying about what other people think of us, just what other people are thinking in general. And I know that that sense of worry can really lead to things like, you know, social anxiety, feeling anxious within yourself, overthinking, all of that kind of stuff. So this is all of the stuff that I'm going to be talking with you guys about today. And I'm really pumped. Now, my recommendation for you for this week is a book. If you like reading, there is a book highlight over on my Instagram because I started talking about a few books that I had read and gave a few little personal perspectives or opinions on some of them. And I had quite a few messages afterwards a few days later saying, where did your book highlights go? I want to have a look and I want to create my own list. So I saved it as a highlight for you guys. There is a whole bunch of books that I have read and there's also a big list of books that I really want to read. So I'm in a few Facebook groups, book club Facebook groups, and I kind of go through and have a look at all of the different posts in there and create my own little lists of books that I would like to read that have been recommended by people that also in those Facebook groups, like the same kind of like genre or type of book that I like as well. So there's a whole big, huge list over on my page. I think I may have already also recommended Goodreads a few episodes ago, but if I haven't, you know what I'm going to do, which I thought was such a good idea 
this is such a tangent, but here we are. Um, I was listening to an episode of the Shameless podcast. I think it was just after Christmas. And you guys would know I, I love Shameless, the Shameless Girls and the Shameless podcast very pop culture podcast, but they were talking about one of their listeners who I think she might've gotten a little bit sick or she had to have some time off work. And she actually went through and listened to every single one of their podcast episodes and documented all of their recommendations that they had ever made uh, throughout the whole history of the podcast. And she also categorized it and there's a spreadsheet. And I thought, oh, that's actually such a good idea because Some weeks I can't even remember what I've recommended and what I haven't. So I think I may have potentially already recommended Goodreads before, um, but it is an app and a website that you can create your own account and you can read like literally like if you type in any book, you will be able to find it and read like thousands and thousands of reviews on books. They have star ratings. You can create your own shelves. So you've got your books that you want to read, books that you have read. You can set yourself a challenge. So say you want to read 20 books this year, you can set yourself that challenge and it'll give you an update and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really good. So um, loving my Goodreads app at the moment. And it also gives me suggestions when I finish a book, it'll pop up and say, here's some other books that are similar to this. But anyway, that's a very, very long tangent way of telling you that my recommendation for you this week is a book by Nicholas Sparks and it's called The Wish. Now I'm a little, I don't want to say embarrassed, but um, surprised that I have never read a Nicholas Sparks book before. I think because I know, of course, that he wrote The Notebook and um, I think like Dear John, there's so, so, so many books that he's read. I think I was reading yesterday, he's been an author for over 25 years now and he has had 11 of his books um, made into films, which is crazy, like what an achievement. But I know that his films are quite emotional. And sometimes when I'm reading a book, I just want it to be super fluffy and lighthearted, like a little bit carefree or a little bit silly. Books like, say, The Flat Share and stuff like that. Um, But I had seen one of my friends recommend this over on her Instagram a few months ago. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. She said it was a really great book. It was so good. I really was hooked Um, and it really has helped me to incorporate reading regularly into my evening routine and really helped me to get off my phone, which I have been absolutely loving. Um, so I've been making myself a Robes vanilla cup of tea of an evening and laying down in bed with my book and having two rows of my chocolate. My favorite chocolate at the moment is The Clinkers Block by Cadbury, another recommendation. If you haven't tried that and you like clinkers or dairy milk chocolate, you have to try The Clinkers Block. It's so good. So I have two rows of that and my Robus Vanilla Tea and I've been reading this book and it was so good. It like had a few twists and turns at the end that I was not expecting. I cried like five times. A little bit of a trigger warning. It does discuss the journey of like the main character. She has cancer. So it does discuss 
the journey of somebody going through cancer. Um, but oh, it's just, it was such a good book. And when I finished it, so I, yeah, I, did I just say I cried five times? I don't know. I can't even remember what I've said now, but um, I was reading it yesterday and finishing it. I was in the last chapter and I was out the back and I was bawling my eyes out on our outdoor lounge. And I came inside to get a tissue and Aaron was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, oh my God, it's this book. It's just like really got me. And he was like, oh my God. <laughs> So I don't know if it's because I'm hormonal and pregnant or because it was a very emotional book, but I think Danny did also mention that she had a few tears during the book as well. So it was just so good. It really, really got me roped in and I got so attached to the characters. It was, it was really good. So there's a few different recommendations for you. Shameless podcast, good reads, The Wish by Nicholas Sparks. I'm going to go and have a look at a few of his other books as well. I think like I really enjoyed that style and I think it would be nice to mix it up in between those lighthearted books like The Flat Share and The Road Trip and things like that um, and mix it up a little bit and add maybe one or two of his books in here and there as well. So on to find my next book now. I'll keep you updated with what I find. But let's actually jump into the topic at hand for today. Now, I was just having a look at the workbook that I created for this um, because every workshop that we do, we also create a workbook that our clients can download and save and make notes in and all of that kind of stuff. And um yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't share all of this information because I need to leave some not to the imagination, but I need to leave you guys wanting more. So you want to come and do coaching sessions with me, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, it's all so relevant though. What do I leave out? But there's a few things that I will leave out for you to keep you hanging so that you can get a taste test um, and really dip your toe into what it would be like to be on one of our workshop calls. Of course, these are normally live via Zoom every week. Um, and they're, they're also all saved in our clients. They have their members hub and they're all saved and they go and um, they can rewatch these at any time as well if they're not available live. So without further ado, as you would know from last week's episode, I include a quote at the start of every workshop and I'm so obsessed with this quote. So, so obsessed with it. I think um, it really differentiated the difference between caring about what other people think, uh, and then also valuing what other people think. And I was like, whoa, this is like a bit of a mind blow moment for me. I've never really thought about it like this before. So the quote is, there is a difference between caring about what others think and worrying about it. Whether you care what other people think, you respect and value, oh, sorry, when you care about what other people think, you respect and value their opinion. When you worry about it, you depend on their validation for your worth. So keep caring, keep treating people like they matter. Just know that you matter too, whether they confirm it or not. Oh, like I actually have goosebumps again rereading that because I'm just like, it really creates that difference and that differentiation. And the part that I really liked was, that section there where it says, when you care about what other people think, you respect and value their opinion. When you worry about it, you depend on their validation for your worth. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, I can actually see examples of times when 
yes, I've cared about what other people think, but it's because I respect their opinions. I value their opinions and their perspectives. And I want to take that on board as like a constructive conversation or a constructive perspective. Whereas when you're worrying about it, it's really depending on validation for your worth. And again, I think that really touches on that idea of like social media and comparison these days and all of that kind of stuff. And then that last part is really beautiful. So keep caring, treat, keep treating people like they matter. Just know that you matter too, whether they confirm it or not. Like that last bit, I feel like is just the best mic drop moment. Okay, so let's just kind of let that sit for a minute and think about what that quote means to you. And when you find you can catch yourself out, not feeling like you matter as much, maybe feeling like you're not enough. I know that's a very common limiting belief that we can carry around with us. Um, and also just that second part there, whether they confirm it or not. So whether you're looking for that validation from other people and looking for that confirmation that maybe a perspective that you have is right or your opinion is correct or that you look good, that your outfit is nice or you know that your opinions, perspectives, are discussions, conversations, um, whether you are only placing value in them if that is confirmed by other people or if you can create, really start to move towards creating that sense of identity for yourself of like, I am also important too and what I think and feel and my opinions and perspectives and and my self-worth and my value that I place in myself is also just as important whether that is confirmed by anybody else or not. It's a really cool concept when we really start to think about it because how nice would it be to know within yourself to really fully wholeheartedly embody and believe that you do matter and everything about you matters. You are worthy, you are important, your opinions, your perspectives are important, whether it's confirmed by anybody else or not. Like that is so freeing. So to start off with, what I actually ran my clients through was some patterns that can be learned or modeled in childhood. I feel like this is actually like, if I was going to do a really big deep dive into this, I would do a, a whole nother podcast episode on it. And you know, I actually might because there's how many? One, two, three, four, five different patterns that I have kind of described in this. And the reason that I went through these five patterns and why it's important to think about, okay, like what has been modeled to me in childhood by somebody important, somebody influential back when I was younger. So you probably would have heard me talking about those really influential years of creating our sense of self, our value, our identity for who we are as a person really happens that first five to 15 years of our life. And so when you think about that five to 15 um, age group for yourself, think about activities that you enjoyed, foods that you liked, places that you liked to go, friends that you had, all of that kind of stuff. It's probably quite vivid memories for you. And you may find that you still even have things to this day, maybe like your favorite color, your favorite food, um, smells that really bring back memories from back then um, that feel very vivid for you. These are all part of 
those really formative ages that help to create your sense of self and who you feel that you are. Now, the important part about this is knowing that the influential people that we have in our lives at those moments in time over those years, whether that is a parental figure, a mother or a father, whether it's, you know, grandparents, whether it's a teacher at school, it doesn't have to only be parents. And some people don't have a great relationship with their parents. Some people don't get along with their parents at all. Some people don't even know their parents. So that's the reason why when I word this, I say influential people between those ages of five and 15 years old, because really anybody that we view as influential in those age groups, we can learn patterns of behavior and of thinking and language patterns. And it might even turn into negative belief, negative self-talk, those types of things as it continues to grow and develop within you as a person, as a human, as you come out of those identity ages as well. So yeah, look, as I'm talking, I'm like, wow, this really needs to be a whole podcast episode on itself. So I will do that in the next podcast episode for you guys and just dive a bit deeper into how these patterns and the behaviors that are modeled to us in childhood shape you as a person um, when you are obviously now an adult listening to this podcast episode. So let me run you through these five quickly. I'll give you some definitions um, and some examples. So we have the first pattern that can be learned or modeled in childhood is the helper. So if this behavior was modeled to you by somebody, an influential person in your life as you were growing up, this would be seen as somebody that is very selfless, very caring, really ready to lend a hand whenever it's needed and to actively improve the lives of others. So the helper, they like to give, they like to help, and they like to empathize with others, which can also lead to high achieving, self-sacrificing, and also feeling help, uh, sorry, also feeling hurt if help or giving behaviors aren't reciprocated as well. So I've tried to also include in here like the strengths of these patterns that we can learn and that we can kind of evolve into ourselves, but also what some of the limitations might be, because sometimes it might be more that you recognize the limitations that you're like, oh yeah, I see that coming up for me here as well. So that is our helper pattern. Now, the next one that we can learn is our empath. So the empath, these people are highly attuned to others' mood and feelings. Our empath thrives in harmonious situations, absorbing the good feelings, but also noticing when tension is high or bad feelings are present and absorbs that too. So this can lead to burnout as a flow on effect from not being able to separate their own emotions from others. So thinking about those first two, the helper and the empath, really considering do I notice any of those traits within myself? Is that anything that I see coming up for me? Or if I think about some of those influential people in my life, do I notice that behavior within them? And is that something that maybe I'm starting to realize now I have also taken on board myself and has it has then grown and evolved with me as a human and now into my adult years and what does this look like for me? So the next pattern that I want to run you through is people pleasing. So this pattern looks like the want and need to please others 
often due to fear of rejection. So it's the want to be liked or to prove that you are good enough. This will commonly be seen as the yes person. So those people that find it hard to say no, they will also value praise from others. They might say sorry when there's really no apology required. And they also push aside their own needs to accommodate everybody else. So again, similar to the empath, our people pleasers, this can lead to burnout and resentment to people or situations due to not being able to prioritize themselves often. So because our people pleasers are yes people, sometimes they may notice that they push their own boundaries by saying yes to everybody else and everything else. And that can really bring into account resentment and burnout because you haven't been able to take time to recognize that maybe there's been a few too many yeses outwards of yourself and not enough yeses for yourself or not enough boundary setting to give you some time to prioritize filling up your own cup as well. I'm trying to remember, I think I did an episode on resentment. Let me just have a quick look um, because if I didn't, it's coming up. Um, but let me just have a quick look and make sure that I have released that before I tell you that I've done one. Resentment is such a cool topic. I love the topic of resentment because like I just said, we really touch on things like boundaries, like what are my boundaries? Um, yeah, what are my boundaries? Am I sticking to my boundaries? Uh, if I do feel resentment coming up with a specific person, um, or circumstance or event, like why is this resentment coming up? What are my boundaries and have I been pushing them? Let me just have a look. I've done a Monday motivation episode on boundaries. Ah, oh, here we go. So episode 99 is Monday motivation on boundaries. And that was a really beautiful, quick little 14 minute episode where I pulled a Oracle card and we had a little bit of a chat about what came through with that oracle card there as well with those boundaries but specifically episode 97 is a therapy thursday episode and it is on resentment what is it and how to let it go so if you notice really any of these the helper the empath people pleasing if you notice any of those three coming up for you episode 97 would be a really really good one to go back and listen to because you can learn what resentment is where it comes from and how to work through it and how to actually let some of that resentment go and when you you feel like you can let resentment go then it really leaves space for some beautiful connection with your relationships in your lives as well which is really cool um, I feel like I'm stumbling over my words a little bit today, but that's all right. We're going to roll with it and we are going to continue. So I've got two more patterns that we are going to look at. Now, this one is a bit of a general one. It is in general, your beliefs. So often beliefs are thinking patterns, opinions, and values that have been passed down from influential people in childhood that then grow and develop as you grow and develop. So this can lead to limiting beliefs and negative self-talk or societal perspectives or opinions that aren't actually your own. So if you think about those influential people in your life when you were growing up, what are some perspectives of maybe certain groups in society, the way that maybe certain groups of people live or their lifestyles that they choose and those types of things? Is there any certain perspectives or opinions or like throwaway comments that they may have made a few times that potentially you have taken on board? I know I've spoken about beliefs before 
in a few podcast episodes. And the cool thing with beliefs is when we really start to dive in and question, okay, where does this belief come from? And I'm trying to think of an example that's like a bit of a lighthearted example because some of them are a little bit um, heavy and dark. Um, the belief that all men are bad. Let's use that example. So that could be from, let's just say that you're, I'm really just going to like dive in the deep end here and give a really hypothetical example. But let's say that you had a very close relationship with your mum and your grandmother growing up. Again, this is super hypothetical, so like this is not obviously going to be relevant necessarily, but it's just using an example so you understand how beliefs can be passed down to us. So let's say you had a super close relationship with your mum and your grandmother growing up, and your mum and your dad got divorced maybe while you were young in those ages of 5 and 15, and potentially it was not the best of breakups. There was maybe some animosity or some negativity that your mom or your grandma was holding on to. And over time, and it doesn't have to be super regularly, but over time you overheard different conversations or a few throwaway comments that, um, you know, all men are bad or like it's, you know, so hard being married and that men don't pull their weight around the household and all of that type of stuff. We're really looking at these big generalizations that people can make that, I mean, you will know from listening to the generalization podcast episode, we all generalize, we need to, to get through life. But when we are hearing these big sweeping statements or these perspectives and opinions that are being made by these influential people in our lives, that can also trickle down to you and that can impact your perspectives and opinions, the way that you think and feel about certain groups of people, whether that's minorities, whether it's big groups of people and big generalizations. So you could then, in this example that I'm giving, be led to believe that all men are dickheads, for an example, or that men don't help out around the house, that type of thing. So what we want to be thinking about is what are the beliefs, the thinking patterns, the opinions, the values that have been passed down to me when I was younger. And they don't have to be negative. They don't have to be like leaning towards that more limiting side of beliefs. But it's really interesting when we start to look into this and realize that, oh, some of these things that I think or some of these things that I hold to believe as true, that's not even actually my belief. That's somebody else's. Somebody else has told me this, or I've overheard this a few times as I've been growing up. And I realize now that I've taken that on board as my own when it's actually not, that's not what I think at all. That's what somebody else thinks. And then the cool part is being able to reassess and think, okay, well, what do I actually believe here? So Anyway, that is how our beliefs, uh, like I said, I should have just kept this as one podcast episode within itself because there's so much other information to dive into with all of this, but I will do that in the next episode for you guys. Now, the next one that I have is seeking approval. So people that have learned this pattern 
or had this pattern modeled to them in childhood. This seeking approval is the desire to seek approval or validation from others, which comes from the basic human psychological need of connection. So this can mean seeking approval of your own thoughts, of your feelings, your beliefs, your choices, your values, your actions, and that can lead to a varying sense of self due to lack of self-awareness. Because when you are constantly seeking approval from outwards of yourself and you're looking for that sense of validation outside of you, you start to kind of chip away at your sense of self-worth and that sense of like just that general sense of self within you of like, yes, this is what I think and that's okay. And this is what I feel and that's okay. And like, this is me, this is who I am. So a lot of people that have been through a big identity shift, whether that's during motherhood, whether it's during a career change, maybe you've moved house or moved countries, maybe you've changed friendship groups, this seeking approval pattern or behavior can really start to be quite apparent when we look at an identity shift that we go through. And it can really start to yeah, show itself when we are doing that and we need to look at, okay, where does this actually come from? Is this a pattern from my childhood that I've learned from somebody else? So out of those five patterns that can be learned and modeled in childhood, really thinking about, okay, is there any of them that really come up for me that have been highlighted that I realize, oh, I did see this person in my life um, you know, running through these patterns or behaviors. And that is potentially also something I've taken on board for myself as well. That's something that I've learned that has then evolved into a version of me as well. And, you know, it's like I said, not that anything is ever all right or all wrong. It's just thinking about, okay, what are the strengths for this? And then also what are the limitations? Now in the workshop, I also run through some of the common cognitive distortions, which you guys would know is also a fancy way of saying thinking patterns. Um, but I'm not going to dive into them because I've already been talking for 28 minutes and I'm very wary of time for you guys. Um, so there is a few other common cognitive distortions or thinking patterns that can also um, really feed into this sense of like worrying about what other people think. I've run through a few of them in previous episodes in the mindset series that I did last year as well. So all of those uh, common cognitive distortions and thinking patterns are all there in the mindset series for you if you want to go and learn more about them. Now, I want to have a look at the strengths and limitations of caring about what others think. Some of the strengths is that you have the ability to be kinder to others because you can really empathize with them. You can show compassion to other people. It also means that you can be more sensitive to other people's emotions. So again, we have that compassion and that empathy that can come through there. We have a ability to help and maintain close relationships and it also means that it can prevent rash decisions because sometimes it might mean that you are maybe overthinking a little bit or that you start to worry, but that can mean that instead of kind of jumping the gun or just, you know, going for it, so to speak, with certain decisions, you can kind of weigh up a few different options that can help you to feel like you've made a really informed decision. So there's some really, really beautiful strengths of caring what others think. And I know I spoke about that psychological need of connection that we have as humans. 
And you'll see that, you know, those first three that I ran you through, being kinder to others, being more sensitive to other people's emotions, having that compassion and that empathy and maintaining close relationships, they're really, really closely connected to that human psychological need. So really easy to start to understand why we worry about what other people think and what the strengths of caring about what other people think is. But what we also want to have a look at is, okay, I can recognize those strengths and I want to lean into them, but what are some of the limitations as well? So limitations we're looking at is that us, apart from, like I just said, preventing rash decisions, the limitations mean from that you can, or it could also stop you from doing things. So I did quickly mention just then overthinking or worrying. So if you are preventing yourself from making rash decisions, you could also be really leaning into that aspect. You could be really leaning into the overthinking, the worry and feeling anxious about something and stopping yourself from doing it altogether, which can be quite limiting. So what we want to do when we look at that one is really find a nice meet in the middle ground or sense of balance for this of like, okay, I want to feel like I'm making informed decisions and like I am, you know, feeling empowered with the decisions that I'm making, but I'm also not leaning so far into that, that I'm stopping myself and I'm procrastinating and letting my emotions or my feelings or my excuses get in the way of doing things that feel really important to me. So that's our first limitation. The second limitation, again, like I just mentioned, that caring about what other people think really can cause worry, stress, and overthinking. So of course, they're three very big feelings. We're worrying, we feel stressed, we're overthinking, which can lead to feeling anxious. They're very big feelings. And they're feelings that we don't want to be feeling super regularly, right? Like as we know... Yes, we have a whole spectrum of emotions for a reason. Yes, all of our feelings are there to help to teach us something, to shine a light on something, to help us to learn, to grow, and all of those things that are very important. But when we are feeling them too often, that's when we really start to notice like this doesn't actually feel good for me here. Now, the next limitation that I have is a loss of self-confidence. Now, this is also combined with my next limitation that I want to touch on as well, which is a loss of your sense of self and identity. So these two are definitely different from each other, but also quite similar in the way that we're looking at when you have a loss of sense of self and your identity of like, okay, who am I? What do I enjoy? What do I like? Like, what are the, who am I as a person? When you take away all of the labels, like, you know, this is what I do for work. This is my career. Maybe you're a parent. Are you a sister? Are you a daughter, a son, a father, a brother, a cousin? Like all of those types of things, all of the labels that you have for yourself, all of the hats that you wear, if you take them away and think about, well, who am I like at the core of me, that is your sense of self, that is your identity. And when you care so much about what other people think, you can place so much importance in other people's perspectives and opinions and views or what other people are doing with their lives that you start to lose that sense of self and identity because you start to create your life for the people around you or for the people that you are 
you know, viewing or comparing, I'm kind of just thinking like, not necessarily even for those people, but like you can start to create a lifestyle that you see, for example, maybe on social media that you're like, oh, this person has this house or this piece of furniture in the house or whatever. And then you're like, well, I want that lounge or I want that, I don't know, bunch of flowers or print that they have on the wall or whatever. When it's like, okay, but why do you like that thing? Do you actually like it or do you just like it because that person has it and that's their thing or their perspective or something that they value? We can start to place so much value in what other people have or what other people are doing with their lives that we kind of lose that sense of self of like, well, this is what I like and this is why I like it and why I want to do it, which then leads on to that loss of self-confidence because you don't have that strong sense of identity and sense of self within you, which self really does refer to, you know, self-confidence, self-love, self-worth, all of that kind of stuff. Anything starting with self is your sense of self. Um, And when you start to lose that, it's like, well, I feel a little bit unsure. So again, these can come from big life changes. Like I was just mentioning, like shifting into motherhood and feeling that life change and that identity shift there, changing your jobs, changing your career path, moving house, moving country, changing friendship groups. We could also be looking at a relationship breakdown. There's so many different ways that we can experience change in our life, which then brings in a sense of a, like a shift in identity of like, okay, well, who am I? Say, for example, if we're looking at a relationship breakdown, who am I without that person? Or who am I now that I have had a career change or moved house or now that I'm a mom or now that I'm a parent, those types of things. And so really your identity is something that needs to be paid attention to and worked on as an ongoing process throughout your whole entire life. Because if you think about the person that you were five years ago, compared to the person that you are today, I can guarantee you there's things you were doing five years ago that you wouldn't do now. Maybe you get like Facebook memories that pop up on your feed and you're like, oh, cringe. Like that was such a cringy. Like I know for me, it'll be like posts from like 10 or 15 years ago that are popping up like, oh, look at what you were talking about 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, or there's like activities that you were doing maybe five or 10 years ago that you're like, oh, I haven't done that for so long. Like, That's not even something that interests me anymore, that kind of thing. So, you know, as much as we like to say that we don't like change, you as a person are changing every single day, every single week, every single month, and your identity is also shifting. And when you can embrace that, that really touches back on that idea that I was talking about last week as well of that impermanence that nothing is ever going to stay the same. Everything is always changing. You are always changing. Your relationships around you are always ebbing and flowing and evolving and changing with you, around you, all of those types of things, which is very cool to think about. It's also a very big concept to think about. So now that we know some of these limitations, I want you to think about, okay, we've run through the strengths. We've spoken about the limitations out of the strengths, what do I feel like I'm really leaning towards and embracing, but also out of the limitations, what do I really notice coming up for me as well? How can I start to actually create change? Now, again, with this one, I actually have six ways to be increasing your self-worth. Now, I can't tell you all six of them because that would be giving away the whole entire workshop 
but I am going to run you through three of them. So one of the ones that I've really enjoyed and something I've really taken on board for myself as well over the last few weeks since I ran this workshop and put all of this information together, my first tip for you to be thinking about increasing your sense of self-worth, not worrying about what other people think, is to define the narrative don't let it define you. And what I mean by that is I have a little question here. What energy do I want to bring to this situation? What does it look like for me to embody that? So call out your inner critic. If you're noticing that something's coming up, you're worrying about something or someone, is this actually what you're worried about? So this, this is actually a bit of a two-pronged one, which is why I wanted to run through it because I think it's so beneficial. So when I say don't, uh, sorry, define the narrative, don't let it define you. What I mean by that is say, for example, you've got something coming up that you're feeling a little bit nervous about. Maybe you've got a meeting that's going to be happening at work or you're doing a presentation or you're catching up with a friend that you haven't seen in a really long time since like before lockdown, maybe it's a little bit awkward. I don't know, like whatever. You're feeling a bit nervous about something, okay? <laughs> um, what I want you to think about because when we have our physiological responses in our body, when you have those physiological body changes and shifts, so it could be that you notice that when you feel nervous, you get butterflies in your tummy. Maybe you feel a little bit sick. Maybe you feel like your throat closes up a little bit when you get nervous. Maybe you feel like your chest gets quite tight or your heart beats a lot quicker or your breathing increases and you're not doing your full deep belly breaths. What all of these physiological or body changes are doing is signaling to your brain that you don't feel happy, content, confident, you know, those feelings that we really want to be feeling. So what happens then is your brain is putting this recipe together and it's like, oh, I've just noticed my body changing, like my heart's beating faster and I'm walking really quickly. That must mean I'm running late for work or I'm running late for that important meeting. Now I'm feeling really flustered. So you can see how those body changes or physiological changes of like my heart's beating quickly, I'm breathing a lot quicker than normal and I'm walking really quickly. Your brain puts them together in a recipe also combines them with thoughts, but I'm not going to dive into that right now because it's that's a huge topic. Um, and then thinks, well, I must feel flustered. I must feel rushed because these are the signs that you're giving me. So when you think about feeling nervous or when you think about overthinking or worrying about what other people think of you, you might be able to recognize some physiological changes that happen within your body. Maybe you do get those butterflies. Maybe you do start to notice your heart rate or your breathing increasing, or maybe you start tapping your foot or picking your nails. Or I know for one of my uh, clients a few years ago, biting her fingernails, that was like her big trigger point that she was like, as soon as she recognized that she was biting her fingernails she was like oh something must be wrong like something's making me feel anxious um and yeah so it's cool to be able to notice these like trigger points I guess you would call them and to be able to just call them out so again you can't change something if you're not aware of it to create that awareness of like okay I'm noticing my body changing physiologically Let's just stop for a second instead of letting my brain run with this recipe that I would normally create here and just jump straight into feeling flustered or stressed or overwhelmed or anxious. 
ask yourself when you notice those trigger points, hang on a second. What energy do I want to bring to this situation? So in some of those examples, what energy do I want to bring to this meeting? What energy do I want to bring to this conversation, to this presentation at work, to this meet up with an old friend that I haven't seen for years? What does it look like for me to embody that? And these are the important questions. So I was feeling a little bit nervous when I was going to do the mini retreat with Bell Movement a few weekends ago. And like I was fine in the lead up to it. I was really excited, super pumped up. And then once it gets to the day, like I always get a little bit nervous, especially because it was my first public speaking gig in oh, like since before lockdown. So it had been like two years and I love public speaking. Love it. Like love getting up in front of people, love that sense of connection. It was such a beautiful day. But I recognized that as I was walking out to the car, I was like, you know, um, what do you call it? Like not like tapping my hands. Oh my gosh, guys, my words again, baby brain, please forgive me fiddling my hands. Um, and just kind of like, you know, um, playing with my fingers or like underneath my fingernails, like picking my nails, that kind of stuff. Um, tapping the steering wheel. I was breathing a little bit quicker and I pulled up into the car park and I thought, okay, Amy, just stop for a second because like you are literally generating this feeling now. So just stop and ask yourself this question. I'd only just written this workbook a few weeks beforehand. So it was really fresh in my mind. And I was like, what energy do I want to bring to today? Because I don't want to walk into that workshop and that speaking gig and my goodness, sorry, excuse me, (laughs) and be feeling flustered and nervous. And I don't want to give off that vibe. These women have put time aside for themselves. They have prioritized time for themselves today. And I want them to feel like the best version of them possible. So what is the energy that I want to bring here that I can help them to facilitate that feeling for themselves? What would it look like for me to embody the way that I want to feel? So that's the first part of this one with defining that narrative and not letting it define you is just really taking a second to notice those physiological changes that you can recognize happening within your body and thinking about, all right, how else do I actually want to feel? How do I want to show up in this situation? And what does it look like for me to embody that? Maybe that looks like you taking a really nice few deep breaths, like three deep breaths and just like recentering, bringing your shoulder, like rolling your shoulders back, moving your neck from side to side, and then, you know, stepping out of your car or stepping into that work workroom meeting or whatever it is that you've got on that's happening and just kind of recentering yourself, regathering yourself and giving yourself the opportunity to think about like, how do I actually want to feel here so that you're not just on autopilot with your feelings and your brain's not just running with that automatic recipe. Now, the next part of this is calling out your inner critic. So is this actually what you're worried about? So when we start to worry about what somebody else thinks, What that actually means, and when we really start to get upset about that, the reason that that happens is because there is a little part of you somewhere, or maybe it's a big part, but most of the time there's a little part of you that actually believes what they're saying. So for example, if you were worried 
Again, let's just use a really general example. You had stepped on the scales over the weekend and you realized that you have put on three kilos and you're on a bit of a weight loss journey. And so you're feeling really disappointed about that. And now you're like, oh, I'm so worried. Like, you know, I'm worrying about what everybody else is thinking. They're probably thinking that, you know, my tights look terrible or my jeans look too tight or like whatever it is that you're worrying about. And you kind of push that to the side. You're like, okay, whatever. So this is your inner critic talking to you, as Melissa Ambrosini would say, your inner mean girl. And what happens is if somebody else makes, and it could even just be the most passing of comments, they mean nothing by it, but you buy into that with the meaning that you are giving it because of the thoughts that you already have because of the things you're already worried about. So you might be going out to lunch with a friend and maybe you decide to, I don't know, have a glass of wine or get a burger instead of a salad. And they might ask you, oh, what are you having? And you say burger and they're like, oh, the burger looks good. I don't know. Like I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight or I had a really big breakfast. I'm just going to get a salad. You start worrying. The overthinking starts to kick in. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, how did I get here? Oh my God, are they judging me? Like, what are they thinking? Is that what they think? No, no, no. This is your inner critic. This is something you are actually worried about. They have just hit a nerve. They have, without even realizing, touched on something that could even be subconscious for you that you don't even notice that you're feeling worried about. So this is what I mean by calling out that inner critic. When you really start to worry about what somebody else is thinking, just stop for a second and think, hang on a second. What am I worried about here though? Like I'm worrying that they're thinking my jeans are too tight. Well, is it actually, do I actually think that my jeans are too tight? And if that's the case, fuck it. Do they look good? Do you feel good? Then go and have a good day. Like enjoy those jeans, strut your stuff around But you see where I'm going with this. We really want to start to be aware of what your inner critic and what you are actually worried about instead of placing that responsibility outwards of yourself with somebody else and worrying about what they're thinking, recognize this is actually what I'm thinking and what I'm worried about here. Now, my next uh, way to increase your self-worth is to expect opinions. Again, this was a really big one for me. Expect and accept that people are going to have opinions of you. It's only human, but that doesn't mean that their opinion has to define you or dictate how you feel. So another really common quote that you probably have seen around before is somebody else's opinion is none of my business. I know for the clients of ours that were online for this workshop, that was a really um, like defining quote that they were like, oh my God, I love that. I'm going to keep that in mind. I've written it down. I've got it on post-it notes or whatever. So I really like this one because instead of feeling like you need to change everybody else's opinions, it's like, you know what? I'm just accepting and expecting the fact instead of setting that expectation that, oh, this person isn't going to think about me or isn't going to have opinions. Let's be realistic. Like everybody is only human. It is only human to have opinions and perspectives and to put our thoughts out there, whether that's you putting your thoughts out there or somebody else. Also remembering everybody else's opinions and perspectives are created and shaped by every single experience that they have had in their life up until literally today, like the day that you're talking to them. 
You don't know what's been going on for them in the last few hours, in the last few days, in the last few weeks, what they went through when they were five years old. So when we can bring in this idea of expecting opinions, expecting and accepting that other people are going to have opinions of the world, of you, it's not an opinion that has to define or dictate how you feel. Because at the end of the day, that opinion, that perspective that they have, that value that they're holding, that belief that they're pushing, it's not yours. You don't have to take that on board. You can choose not to take that on board as well. You can choose just to have a look at it for what it is, recognize it for what it is. Okay, I see that this person is having an opinion or a perspective about something. That's cool. That's on them. It actually has nothing to do with me. Even if it is an opinion like, oh, I don't think you should be doing that. Or like, are you sure you want to make that life choice? And you're like, um, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like I've just bought the house or I've just changed my job, like whatever. Um, just like, like it says, everyone is going to have their opinions. It doesn't have to define you or dictate the way that you feel. Um, and then my very last one that I'm going to leave you with is to get perspective with some reframing. So maybe, this is for the people pleasers. This is for the helpers, the empaths, the people that are seeking approval with this one. It is getting that perspective. Maybe you've prioritized yourself in a situation and that feels a bit uncomfortable. You've said yes to you, but that also means you've said no to something or somebody else. What I want you to think about here, how is this a yes to me? How could this potentially be good for them? How is this a yes to me? How does this feel good for me? And remember, other people don't get to make your decisions. You make your own decisions and that is so empowering. Um, now, I'm going to actually leave a few different podcast episode links in the notes as well because like I said earlier, this is so closely re related, linked I just tried to link the word linked and related together and that nearly came out very weird. Oh, guys, like I said, this baby brain is just really, really on point today. Um, this sense of worrying about what other people think and this idea of that sense of worry is really linked to your identity and who you are as a person, your sense of self. And so what I'm going to do, because I actually have three, potentially four, but I think there's three other podcast episodes on who am I? Like, what is my sense of identity? Who am I as a person? What are the labels I have? What do I like? Like, who am I? Because that is such a huge question that can get... Um, like tapped away and tapped away and tapped away over time that all of a sudden we realize we look back and it's like 10 or 15 years since we've really had an opportunity and given ourselves an opportunity to think about who we are that it's like whoa I actually don't even know who I am anymore like you know I've been on autopilot for so long I haven't given myself an opportunity to think about these things so I'm going to leave the podcast episode links there for you as well I know that one of the episodes is episode two um, because it's my most listened to podcast episode ever. And it always pops up in my analytics to tell me that it is still getting listened to. So let me just have a quick look and I'll see if I can really quickly bring it up. 
if I look at podcasts, no, it's not coming up. Let me really quickly, I'm only going to keep you for literally another five seconds on this because if it doesn't come up, then that's fine. I'm just going to leave them in the notes. Can I search? No. So I will leave those podcast episode links and podcast episode numbers in the show notes for you. I will also leave the recommendations that I gave for you guys today in the show notes. And yeah, that's it for me from today. So I hope that there's been a few things that you have taken away from this. I hope that you are feeling like you can be empowered to really be moving towards creating that sense of self within you. Because when you can create that sense of self-worth, that self-love, that self-confidence, that self-empowerment within you, then it actually doesn't matter what other people think. And again, they're going to be thinking things anyway. So let them think, expect the opinions, accept the opinions, um, accept, sorry, the fact that they're going to have opinions and just be cool with it. Be okay with it. Like whatever, that's fine. You do you. I am working on me. I am working on focusing on me and improving my sense of self, my self-worth, my self-love, my self-care. And that is the most important thing. If you liked this episode, I would love for you to screenshot and tag me on Instagram. You guys have no idea how much that absolutely makes my day. I get such a big smile on my face. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And I hope that you have gotten something from this episode. If you want to hang out more, you can search the Nourishing Amy podcast community in Facebook and come and join our group. We're talking all things life, love, overwhelm, and everything in between. You can share your funny memes, your stories, and all of the life stuff. If you would like to get in contact with me, please don't hesitate to reach out and shoot me a message on Instagram. You can find me at amy underscore Rankin. Last but not least, it really helps to support my podcast when you subscribe and leave a review on whatever app it is that you listen to this podcast on. I am just a little independent podcaster and every subscribe and review helps my podcast to be seen and heard by more people and to help more people get their sparkle back. Thank you again so much for being with me and have a fantastic day.